You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Last week, we started a new series called Anxious for Nothing. Anxious for Nothing. It's all about the promises of heaven coming to earth. You have to remember, right, last week we talked about how in heaven there is no anxiety, even if your parents are there right? And there was, there was like that kind of awkward chuckle last week too. But in heaven, there is no anxiety. And Jesus has taught us this beautiful prayer, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if that prayer is true, and I would gauge that it is because it's coming from Jesus Christ, and he's inviting us to pray, and it's because he is inviting us to ask and petition and pray that we might begin to experience moments of heaven on earth. It probably won't be perfect this side of eternity, but as a follower of Christ, this is your promise, that the power and presence of God can set you free from the chains of anxiety. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to tell you with all the love and all of the conviction in my heart this morning that there is no peace in this world like the peace of God. And that the way you access that peace of God is by making a first-time commitment and a first-time decision to follow Christ. And then that's walked out over a journey and a lifetime of surrender. And if you've never made that first-time decision, at the end of our service, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today. Because I believe that the peace of God is only one decision away for you this morning. Even if you think you're not an anxious person. We could probably have a fun time debating on whether or not you actually are. Like, I would kindly argue that you probably are. And here's a really uplifting thought for all of us this morning, that if you're not anxious today, you'll probably become anxious in the future. (laughs) Right? No amens, right? But, like, this is the reality. If you're not anxious today, praise God, just wait for next week or next month or next serious situation. Like, anxiety just has its way of kind of coming around. And again, if you're in that camp that you're like, Jeff, no, I'm not anxious at all. Well, I have some pictures to kind of heat it up a little bit this morning. Pictures that could potentially trigger some of you and raise the level of anxiety in the church this morning. Because what that's a great idea, right? Before we offer the peace of God. Let us become aware of our own anxiety. I have some pictures. How about this first one? It's a picture of the DMV. You know, that laugh sounded a lot like there is no anxiety in heaven, even if your parents are there. That that was a very similar laugh, right? It's the lines, it's it's the people, it's the details. Like, I always bring my stuff and then forget something and have to rush home and try to get my line to, like, my space in line to be kept and then rush back to pay them more money so that I can drive away legally. This next one, though, it gets me every time, every time in real life when the check engine light pops on. I instantly get anxious. I can promise you that if you're ever in a car with me and that light comes on the dashboard, you might as well Amazon Prime a weighted blanket and just wrap me up in it because like, I get anxious when I see it. I don't know how to fix cars. I, my mind doesn't work that way. And then on top of that, I don't like not being good at things. So that like, mo- adds more momentum to the anxiety. And this, this is one for me that just always makes me feel anxious. I've shared my personal anxiety about this next picture before. It's the Home Depot paint wall. (laughs) 
What color do you want, babe? I don't know. What color do you want? How many shades of black, white, blue, yellow are there? Like, again, this creates all kinds of anxiety. This next one, though, it actually calms my anxiety. It might stir up yours. It's the old school multiplication timed test. Do you guys remember these? You might have to be my age or above to remember these. Um, this makes my wife anxious for sure. <laughs> Natalie will get anxious when she sees this. I love these things. I loved them. It was always me versus Bobby Joe Hugo in the second grade, neck to neck, always trying to get to stand up first. That's how much of an imprint it left. I mean, it was like a perfect concoction of my dysfunction of competitiveness and like believing that I'm valued by God if I perform well mixed with like the competitive spirit. So it was like all the good things and bad things kind of merged into my heart in one setting. Last one, though, I think we can all probably recognize this one. It's the infamous text bubble. This thing makes me anxious. You've just texted your loved one, maybe a vulnerable text, something that requires a response. I mean, you're like really showing your heart out there and all you see is that text bubble that they're waiting to respond. Or you, your boss texts you and, and he says or she says, why don't you come in early tomorrow and when you ask why do I need to prepare for anything, all you hear or see back is the dot, 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 dot. This is like a real, like a personal real story for me. I recently had to text Natalie and apologize for something because I had been a jerk earlier in the day and we want to have a, a quick to forgive one another. And so I texted her and I said, hey, this is the reality. I was being a jerk. I'm so sorry. I'm sharing some, something vulnerable with her. And all that I got back was the text bubble. <laughs> one minute passed. Two minutes passed, five minutes passed. You can just see me. I'm opening my phone. I'm putting it down. I'm opening it. I'm putting it down. And later on in the day, I found out she wasn't trying to create anxiety in the system. Our dogs had just throw up, thrown up all over the floor, and two of my kids were arguing. She literally picked her phone up, started typing a response, put it down, and those text bubbles just lingered on. <laughs> Listen, this is anxiety. This is anxiety. And it's not like it was life debilitating in the moment, but it's funny how when anxiety begins to build momentum, it can actually take you to some really dark spaces, some really interesting thoughts. And you know, you can start to create stories in your mind when you're in, anxious, in an anxious moment. You have to be careful about the stories that you create when you're feeling anxious. They're not always grounded in reality. Last week, I talked a lot about the myths behind anxiety and the lies that sometimes the, the church can talk about when it comes to mental health and anxiety. You can find that message online if you feel like it would be helpful. But one of the myths or one of the lies that I didn't bring up last week that I want to talk about today is this myth or this lie that anxiety is a sin, and some of us have really struggled with this. We feel anxious or, or we feel like anxiety stirring up within us and we just think, man, I've just fallen from God. Like I just need to spend the rest of my day confessing and repenting. Listen, and anxiety isn't in and of itself a sin. You can't find that anywhere in scripture. Now, anxiety can lead you into dark spaces. It can make you, you know, decide to make silly decisions and it can lead you on a journey that, that maybe isn't very helpful. But in and of itself, the presence of anxiety in your life is not a sin. Anxiety isn't a sin, but it is a signal. It's a signal. 
Anxiety is a sign that something is off. And sometimes it's a helpful sign, right? Like, like you might be in a really dangerous situation and you might start to feel anxiety. That is you learning that right now I need to get out of this situation. Or you might be in a circle of friends who aren't making great decisions. You're starting to feel anxious. That is a signal that you're not in a healthy environment. These things are signs to help you. But the presence of anxiety around you doesn't mean that you're riddled with some kind of uncontrollable sin. To loop back to uh, one of the pictures I shared earlier, anxiety is a lot like that check engine light. The check engine light tells you that something is wrong underneath the hood, and you might be able to drive a little bit longer. You might be able to fill up your tank of gas a few more times, but if you don't eventually address the situation, it could get worse and worse and worse. And as a church, we have got to get really good at talking about this kind of stuff. Because you remember last week, I shared the statistics that two-thirds of Americans report being anxious. Two-thirds of Americans as a whole report being anxious. And a shocking 91% of high school students and college students report having consistent or high levels of anxiety. As a church... We have got to get better at offering some heavenly solutions to this earthly struggle. Imagine the healing that we could offer through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to anyone who needs freedom from anxiety. Imagine how many might respond to the gospel if our church was filled with God's peace in such a tangible way that when people worshiped with us, they could experience something they've never felt before, a peace that sets people free. And I want that. I cry out for that. I pray for you that you might experience that. I pray for our church that we might embody that. Because I know that if our church can lead the way in offering an atmosphere of God's peace, the city will be impacted with the kingdom of God. Our passage today is one of the most important scriptures when it comes to anxiety and the peace of God. How to recognize this, but also how to begin walking away from anxiety and towards peace. It's from, um, excuse me, it's from Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Be, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Who doesn't want that to be a life verse? right? I know I would like to experience more of God's peace, the kind of peace that transcends understanding. I want that. I need that kind of peace in my life, and I need it around me and moving through me. And before we get too deep into this passage, I have found that just sharing some pro tips as we work our way through Scripture is, is really important. So I'm going to share a pro tip with you that if anyone ever comes to you and they're feeling anxious and they say to you, can you pray for me? I'm feeling anxious right now. Do not quote Philippians 4, 6. Well, be anxious for nothing, brother. 
The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, sister. Like, just let it go, right? Queen Elsa doesn't have all of this figured out. We need to transfer this to the cross. We need to begin experiencing the true peace of God. I can tell you from firsthand experience as a husband that if your loved one is feeling anxious, don't quote Philippians 4, 6. It won't help. Sorry, Natalie, public apology, a public apology. It just doesn't help. It's true though, and it's the word of God. And it's, and it's a true statement and it's a real invitation for us. But you know, it, it's really important, not just what you say, but how you say it. And not just how you say it, but when you say it. And in those moments of heightened anxiety, it's not a great idea to be like, don't you know the Bible says be anxious for nothing? But since it is in the Bible, and this is, I mean, this is a pastoral letter that Paul wrote to the church that he planted a few years before they got this letter, we have to ask ourselves, well, what does this mean for us? What does it mean to be anxious for nothing? What did Peter mean last week when we explored his passage in 1 Peter where he says, cast all your anxieties on Jesus for he cares for you. There's some great takeaways in our passage for today. Our scripture is filled with them. We're going to work through Philippians 4 together little by little, and we're going to do it by kind of going back to one of those phrases I used earlier, that anxiety is not a sin, it's a sign. Anxiety is not a sin, it's a sign. And first, from Philippians 4, you have to recognize that anxiety is not a sin, it's a signal to pause. It's a signal to pause. Anxiety is really hard to deal with if you don't first establish a habit of pausing in your life. And for some of you, you're like well-versed in pausing and sitting in silence. It might be a short pause for you. It might be a long pause for you. It just all depends on how much we're comfortable with our own selves and silence around us. But pausing is an important part of recognizing the anxiety. You know, it's really hard to know what you need and how to pray and how to respond and how to partner with God if you don't pause and pay attention to what's happening in your mind and in your heart and in the environment around you. Self-awareness will help you respond and take action, and ultimately it will help you heal. And unfortunately, in our culture, we don't have a lot of moments of concentrated silence or concentrated moments where we pause. We commonly rush off to whatever is next. We distract our minds by binge-watching Netflix. And the, one of the primary mental activities of our day is just scrolling on social media for hours upon hours upon hours. Listen, these are not habits that will help you pause. These are not habits that will help ease the anxiety in your life. We need to pause. And one of the main reasons why after every sermon here at the Vineyard we have a moment of quiet reflection is because we're... We're attempting to grow in this together as a church, creating space for one or two minutes at a time for all of us to share a moment of pausing before God. These are the moments where God's still small voice can speak to you and highlight something that he maybe wants to bless you with or heal you or minister to you in, in one kind of way or another. Another tool that might help you pause, this is a favorite app of the Faust family. I put it in my sermon notes so you can download it later today if you want to. It's the app called Lectio 365. It's a daily journey that will help you walk in the presence of God, pausing and reflecting 365 because there's that many days in the year. You can literally take this as a devotional. And it's slow on purpose. The first time I listened to it, I was like, all right, next page. Let's go, let's go, let's go. No. 
flow on purpose, we would highly recommend it to you. Look, the reality is we've got all kinds of junk on our smartphones. This would help redeem some of our home screens, right? If we put Lectio 365 on it, it will read scripture to you. It'll ask you provocative questions about the kingdom of God, and it will give you moments to pause and reflect on the ways that the Lord is speaking to you. Lectio 365, because the first thing that we have to learn when it comes to anxiety is this discipline, this spiritual discipline of pausing and waiting before God. Next up, anxiety is not a sin, it's a signal to pray. It's a signal to pray. If you're new to church and anyone ever asks you like a churchy question, like in the lobby, a real churchy question, just answer with either Jesus or prayer. You're gonna get 80% of the questions right. right? I, I promise you. I promise you, Jesus or prayer, and that's exactly what this one is all about. Anxiety isn't a sin, but it's definitely a signal to pray. Listen to verse six, one more. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, sometimes it's important to recognize what the scripture says. Sometimes it's also important to recognize what it doesn't say. And notice that it doesn't say, hey, in every situation, think about every possible solution. Think about the solutions to all the problems that you haven't even uncovered yet. In fact, what would be even better is if you could like create little arguments in your head on what someone might tell you and all the answers that you would tell them, shutting off all of the dead ends so that you know you can have all the right answers. Because if there's one thing you need to know, it's that you can control everything in this life and you can have all the right answers, right? I mean, you hear the anxiety in my own voice? Jesus. <laughs> be anxious for nothing, though. This is called anxiety. When we run these scenarios over and over and over and over again, you might call it problem solving, but it's actually anxiety. It's anxiety. Instead, we're invited to pray. We're invited to bring everything before God. We're invited to pray and stand before him, the one who loves you so much that he sent Jesus down to earth to live the life you couldn't live, to die the death that you deserve so you could be buried and risen again so that we could be with him for eternity. And this God who created all of that for you invites you to talk to him and pray and to connect with him, to make your requests known to God. There's this moment in the New Testament towards the end of Jesus's life, and he's in what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be arrested and beaten, eventually denied by Peter and crucified on the cross. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he was filled with such anguish that he was sweating drops of blood. And in that moment of anguish and anxiety, Jesus didn't try to solve all of the world's problems. He went off to pray three separate times. Pray and pray and pray. And if it's good enough for Jesus, then it should be good enough for all of us. We're invited to take all of our requests, all of our needs, all of those little pockets of anxiety and go before God and pray. Prayer is the central tool to fight anxiety, and there are so many substitutes in this world. So many substitutes in this world. You can distract yourself from your anxiety in all kinds of different ways. And here's something that you maybe, not, you maybe don't hear from a pastor too often, but truthfully, some of those distractions, they'll work for a moment. They'll work for a time. But you're not being transformed. 
those parts of your heart that need to be healed, that stir up the anxiety, none of those are being healed. You're just stuffing them down. You're just ignoring them. Eventually, they're going to burst back out again. Instead, we are called to pray. Prayer is your central tool to fight anxiety. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a brilliant cognitive neuroscientist who I read a little bit about leading, for the, or leading up to this series, she's dedicated years of her life to understanding the brain and stress and anxiety and how all of this works together and then also kind of how to detox from some of those thoughts in your mind. And she has found through various brain scans and a bunch of neuroscience that honestly I don't get, but I read about it in the medical journal, that she has concluded that 12 minutes of focused daily prayer over the span of eight weeks will literally change your brain so much that she can see it on a brain scan. There's a term called neuroplasticity, which means your brain has the ability to kind of rewire itself and use new networks and um, new patterns of thinking that can create new pathways in your brain to help you show up in space in a different kind of way. But it takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes new kinds of habits of going before God and praying. And Dr. Leaf has studied the brain enough that, again, she says, 12 minutes of daily prayer over the span of eight weeks will literally change how your brain shows up on medical scans. Don't you love it when science and faith work together like that? We're talking about more peace. We're talking about less anxiety. We're talking about how prayer unlocks new experiences with God that over a period of time will transform you and heal you from the inside out. Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We have one more to cover this morning. Back to our original phrase, anxiety isn't a sin, it's a signal to praise. It's a signal to praise. Praise and thankfulness, you can use those as synonyms in this uh, sermon, but I'm a preacher and I already had two words that started with P, so I had to get a third one in there. Okay, so praise, thankfulness, those are going to be synonymous, but this is the invitation to pause, to pray, and to praise, to fix your eyes on Jesus and thank him and praise him for all that he has done, all that he is currently doing in your life, and everything that you're hoping for in the future. And as you do this, and as you develop this habit, you can literally watch anxiety begin to melt away. And it won't be perfect. It surely won't happen overnight. But similar to how prayer can rewire your brain, thankfulness and praise are powerful weapons against anxiety as well. Medical study after study after study after study proves that thankfulness, gratitude, and praise decrease stress and anxiety in dramatic ways. A medical article I read this week, it pulled all kinds of research from different studies, from the National Library of Medicine to uh, to international clinics like the Mayo Clinic, a number of neuroscientists, they all declare this one powerful truth, that anxiety and gratitude cannot simultaneously exist in your brain. You cannot have an anxious thought and a thankful thought at the same time. Turns out thinking about anxious things will make you more anxious. And thinking about what God is doing in your life and the good things that he has for you, focusing your mind on Christ is actually helpful. So you can write thank you notes and you can thank God out loud. You can praise God in all circumstances. You can fix your eyes on Christ in all things. And if you're like me, sometimes the minute you stop thanking God is like the same minute the anxiety comes back. 
But again, it's not going to happen overnight. This is a journey that we're on. We're all on a journey with Jesus, where little by little we're transformed in the image of his son. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. Fix your eyes on anything that is praiseworthy. God knows how your brain works, and it's like he's setting you up for success. This is part of the reason. This is part of the reason why praise and worship is so important in a church service. It's not everything. It's not the only reason why we sing. There's a variety of different reasons. But one of the big reasons we sing together is because we know that praise and worship is a game changer for your mind and your heart and your life and your ability to experience God's healing and peaceful presence when we gather. And according to the Bible, and backed up by science, again, it's amazing when that happens, there is a big difference between you listening to Matt sing and you singing yourself. There really is. Because when you take on the action of lifting your voice, when you take on the role of praising God for anything and everything that's happening in your life, now you are participating in this praise and participating in the thankfulness, and you can't have an anxious thought while you're praising God. I want to read our passage again, and I want you to listen to the call to praise that's in this passage, the call to be thankful. I'm just going to read all nine verses again and allow it to be read and spoken over you. Verse 6 in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. There's power. There's power when we engage with God in these kinds of ways, moving in you and moving through you. Again, anxiety isn't a sin, but it is a signal. It's a signal that something isn't right in your heart, something isn't right in your mind, and you need to develop some of these spiritual disciplines of pausing and praying and praising so that you can give access to God to every area of your life. I want to close with a promise from the New Testament, from the life of Jesus. This is a promise given to his disciples on the very night that he was betrayed, but it's a promise he gives to you this morning, and he gives to me this morning. It's from John 14, verse 27, when Jesus said this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You know, the world has plenty of ways for you to deal with your anxiety. Whether it's substances or relationships or social media or money and buying more things and constant entertainment and going on the next vacation. You can distract yourself until the day that you die. But Jesus wants to give you something deeper, a peace of mind and a peace of heart that transcends understanding. This is a gift. This is a type of peace that the world cannot offer. 
And you don't have to imagine and hope and wait for this kind of peace. The scriptures teach us that we can run boldly before the throne of God. We can run to Jesus this morning and we can cry out for this gift. If you've never given your life to Christ, today could be the day that you receive this gift for the very first time. And for all of us, this promise and this prayer can be something that we all ask for. That we all ask for today as we gather and that we all ask for as we leave this place and go about our routines. Come, Holy Spirit, because we are desperate for your peace. And we are desperate for this heavenly gift today. Let's pray together.